Hello, and welcome to the 10th class on the Tachin. This is a little bit different for me and for you guys. This is the uh, first class not in front of a live audience. Uh, so the platform will be a little bit different. Um, this week and next, the week before and the week during Hanukkah, we will upload a uh, discussion uh, to Spotify and YouTube, and we'll continue the live in-class um, sessions after Hanukkah, God willing. And if you think working on Bitachin is difficult, try sitting in front of a blank computer screen, recording yourself talking for extensive periods of time with no human feedback. That is proving to be a lot more difficult. I won't tell you how many times I've pressed record thus far. Hopefully uh, we'll end up with something that's uh, both enjoyable and something that sends you with something to uh, encourage you and lift your betachen uh, work, as I hope it will mine. So as always, I want to start off by uh, giving you a disclaimer. Everything that I'm going to share with you today is my own thoughts. I might misquote. I might misrepresent. Please uh, excuse me in advance and forgive me in advance. My objective is to A, work on my own betachen and to understand it more clearly and also to share with you what I understand and how I approach it um, in an effort to create conversation within your life and to encourage you to uh, continue delving deeply into it. Um, there's not a day that goes by, not a week that goes by, not an hour that goes by, quite frankly, where I don't uh, re-approach the concept and try to find better ways to uh, to deal with it because I firmly believe that it is the one of the foundations of Yiddishkeit that I wish as a young child I would have uh, started to learn about and incorporate into my life. So that being said, today we'll go into the book itself. We're going to continue in chapter three. We're going to read the section called Exclusive Trust in God and talk a little bit about that. But as is our custom, we will begin with uh, quoting uh, a letter that the Rebbe wrote, the Lubavitcher Rebbe wrote on the topic. Um, as we've been saying, this is something that the Rebbe uh, pushed and promoted uh, throughout his, his time as a Rebbe, and started off in the very beginning. Uh, so the letter we'll read today is uh, from Yud Beis Menachem of 1954. Greetings and blessings. In response to your letter dated Wednesday of the week of Parshas Matas, in which you write that the state of your livelihood is not as it ought to be, and that you have many debts, etc., etc., the end of your letter about your lack of joy contradicts the beginning of your letter that describes what you have been through. To use your words, by means of miracles, literally, you remained among the surviving refugees and built a family and so on. Make yourself a calculation. And the word here in the, in the comments is a kalvachimer. If God was able to save you from the events of the past years and enabled you to succeed in building a Jewish home, based on the foundations of the Torah and the mitzvahs, how much more certainly can he who, quote, provides nourishment and sustenance for all, end quote, see to your livelihood and that of your family? This depends only on betachin and on the mitzvah of tzedakah. For vis-a-vis -vis heaven, perfect trust that God will provide for your needs and the needs of your household is effective. This is particularly so when the trust is accompanied by contributing to tzedakah. For concerning tzedakah, it's written, quote, put me to the test, please, in this. In fulfillment of the teaching, quote, tithe in order that you grow rich, end quote. 
May God enable you to give good tidings concerning all the above. So I know that this letter, I've read this letter to myself many times, and I've come across it in many different applications. But the message, as we were discussing last week and the week prior, is that, and truthfully, since we started this, is that so often we have a beautifully laid out piece of paper in front of us called life, and there's a spot in the middle, and it could be a pretty big spot. It could be a pretty big circle, a, a, a dot of ink. But we tend to focus solely on that dot of ink and forget about the rest of the beautiful paper that's in front of us. And part of the process of having bitachon and part of the process of working through bitachon is seeing all of the gifts that Hashem gives us on a constant basis and how much in our life does work out. And even in that which we're looking at right now, which is a difficulty and a hardship and something that we're plowing through or trying to plow through, how many other times that was working just perfectly? So first of all, being thankful and seeing how much Hashem has done for us up until this point. And the second point, of course, and I think this was last week's discussion, which is tzedakah and uh, putting Hashem to the test with tzedakah. So combining those two things, the Rebbe says in this letter, will surely bring a uh, the proper result in what uh, the person's looking for. I also want to quote some things I've read this past week from Rabbi Dovber Pinson, who has um, multiple books. I think he has actually a book per month um, discussing about what's behind the Jewish month. And my wife shared with me, and actually my business partner shared with me also, he had read it, um, a book on the month of Kislev that Rabbi Pinson wrote, which uh, what he writes is, is based on Kabbalah and Hasidus, so I don't have the exact quotes of where he gets it from, but it's all in his book um, for the month of Kislev. So the first thing is that the word Kislev itself and the month is all about betachen and hope. And he brings uh, two root words, Kislam from, from Tilim and Kili, which I think I'm pronouncing it right. And he takes it from Iov, or it's Kili. I read it off of the English uh, transliteration, so it might be a mispronunciation of the actual Nakudis by the words. So the month itself is wrapped in the concept of trust, betachen, and, and hope. And he continues to explain there that, you know, the month of Kislev, especially if you live in Miami, it's a well-known thing that it's freezing cold here. Um, and the long wintry nights that we have uh, take us to take out a small sweatshirt. At times people might trade in their shorts for long pants. Um, it can be very difficult and depressing. Uh, it's actually, he quotes something called a seasonal affective disorder, which is a real thing. It's a form of depression. And of course, I'm joking about Miami, but as we enter into the winter months, it can be very dark and cold, especially of days bygone. Um, and people would want something to trust that the light was going to come their way, that there would be uh, a good tomorrow and something positive coming their way. So trusting in a better future. Of course, Hanukkah itself is all about trust. If you look at the story of the Maccabees, if you look at the story of the oil, there was really nothing that was going to lead this group of, uh, of fighters to believe that they were going to be uh, victorious other than true betachen. And when they were when they were victorious, victorious over their, uh, the aggressors, they went to the base of Migdash and they immediately started to look for oil to rekindle the Menorah. And that trust led them to, of course, we know the story, finding the small vial of oil that was intact with the seal and that lasted miraculously for eight days. Again, their trust is what led to that. And it's really a story of trust of where the world probably at the time when they were 
you know, printing the New York Times back then, the headline probably said, group of nutcracks think they're going to beat the largest army in the world. And of course, we know the outcome thousands of years later is the celebration of Hanukkah. And Rabbi Pinson actually quotes um, Josephus, which he says, uh, writes in antiquities, and even though some of uh, his, the outline might be questionable, etc., Josephus calls, he quotes the, uh, the story of Hanukkah 200 years later, he calls it the miracle of light, sorry, the festival of lights, and uh, translated, I guess, in English. And he doesn't talk about the miracle of the oil or anything of the, the nature. What he does say is, uh, and I'm quoting from what Rabbi Pinson translates into English, is perhaps the reason for all, for the name, is that it was freedom beyond our hopes appeared to us. Meaning what they thought and what they uh, considered at the time to be plausible, this was way beyond it and they were able to achieve that success. So that's also very interesting. Again, Kislev being connected to Betachen um, and to, to uh, Hope. The letter Samach is also the, the, the letter of the month, which uh, translates Samach as actually to support or uphold. And when somebody is being supported, there's a level of, you know, it, it helps them with their trust. We talked about Mish'anu um, Miftach a couple of weeks ba- uh, back about how when Hashem sees that somebody's working on their Betachen, sometimes he'll, he'll give a Mish'an, he'll give them a, a boost, a, a moral boost or, or a literal boost as he's trying to accomplish his objective. Hashem says, I see you, and he does something for him, etc. Uh, so that is um, all interesting, and much more on that topic in Rabbi Dove Bear Pinson's book, uh, which I highly recommend from what I've read of it thus far. But again, all helpful because the energy is of this month in, in Chodesh Kislev is when all this energy exists. And we all know that in the Jewish calendar, in the Jewish history, unlike the linear, it's cyclical which means that when we celebrate Hanukkah year over year, it's not on a straight line. Hanukkah wasn't what it was last year and it is t- today again. It's going in a circle upward, kind of like a cyclone, if you can imagine in your mind. So the energy of Hanukkah, the energy of Kislev, exists in the world today and in our life as it did back then, unlike, let's say, celebrating 4th of July. The energy of the victory of 4th of July is not necessarily available to you to tap into as you're eating your Nathan hot dog on the lake during the summer. But when we light the, sh- the, the candles of Hanukkah at the Menorah, we are actually tapping into that energy. So as we're all working together to boost our betachin to get to a higher level, hopefully we can all tap into that energy that exists and is alive and well, just as it was uh, back during the time of the, uh, of the Hanukkah story today as well. And I'd like to share also just a personal story uh, whenever I have the opportunity to do so. A few weeks back, I was discussing how my son in Israel, my oldest son who has special needs, he has uh, cerebral, palsy, cerebral palsy and autism, we had a total shift in his care and we were completely uh, caught off guard and we had to make some changes and we were extremely concerned of what would be. And I shared how I came across a family friend who I had not seen in a while, two, not two days later when I was in visiting Surfside, and how I felt a, 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 like a, a mission, like a support, a, a bit of a kiss from Hashem that uh, wasn't the solution to our problem, but I felt that it was very much Hashem saying, I see you and you know, stick with it, it's going to work out. Uh, certainly, we were battling Betachen-wise on the topic because it was uh, very unexpected and we had to make some, 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 some serious moves from far away and there's a war in Israel, etc., etc., 
Um, so Baruch Hashem, I have to say that moving a couple of weeks later, not only has how are we seeing my wife and I, thank God, that this was the furthest thing from a step backwards, but a massive leap forward. It's it's unbelievable to see how Hashem orchestrates things, and that you know we all want to see with our fleshy eyes the result of our betachem in whatever the topic might be. And I am the first to say that not always are we zeicha, are we are we do we merit, or do we have the ability to to, to do so because our, either our betachem wasn't on the level or because our betachem wasn't on the level. Actually, that is the reason why, and. I, and I'm, I'm going to say maybe it was Zeicher, my wife's betachin, but I, I'm very thankful to Hashem because we certainly have seen a tremendous amount of miracles in our own family in the last couple of weeks in this uh, in this area of my son's care. And it's just a, a, a personal reminder to myself that as I'm facing other challenges and going through other difficulties that there might exist, that first of all, I have to be unbelievably thankful to Hashem for the, the amazing things He does for me and my family constantly. And also to remind myself that even if something is staring it straight in the eye and it looks unbelievably difficult and it's hard to to understand why or how, Hashem does take care of us. He is giving us exactly what we want. He does love us. We just got to stay focused, wipe our glasses, so to speak, um, and stick with it. So happy to uh, give that update there. That being said, we're going to go into the book. We're reading Shar HaBetachin, Gates of Trust. We're on page 73, middle of the page. Exclusive trust in God is the is the title, and uh, I want to, as per always, I'm not going to read it in the Hebrew. I'm not going to out translate the translation. Uh, so we'll read a little bit of the book today, and then we will uh, call it a day. So exclusive trust in God. The third introduction necessary to have proper betachin. The person must single out God as the only one he relies upon for those things regarding which he is obligated to rely on Him. Top of 74. And he does not partner any other being with him to rely both on God as well as on another being. But this trust in God will be ruined when he partners another being with him. A person who relies on any being other than Hashem to help him, thinking that this other being may also sometimes help him, and forgetting that God is the only power in the world, cannot be considered a person who has betachem. So we talked last week about lip service. We talked about that when something doesn't work out that you had betachin in, the betachin was probably not on the level. And as he continues to explain here is sometimes we can say we have betachin, we really trust in Hashem that he's going to take care of it. And we take our hishtablis, which means we take the steps that we're obligated to take as we're commanded by Hashem to make our effort, and we put it a lot more into it than just effort. It becomes the focal point, and it might not be the entire focal point, but we give it a very high shelf on our bookshelf. Um, so I think it's the, the Alter Rebbe that says, or it might be the Tzemach Tzedek, I'm forgetting which Chabad Rebbe says it, but the concept of Ishtadlis, of making an effort, of, of involving yourself, should be like washing dishes. Is uh, It may have not been the Alter Rebbe. Now that I think about it, he probably didn't wash his dishes. Maybe he did, but I don't remember reading that. So... Miss, you know, backspace, 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 but the story is, bottom line, is that your betachin should be like washing dishes, which is when you're washing the dishes, your mind is usually not on the dishes and the dish soap and the sponge, it's somewhere else. Uh, meaning that the, the effort is effort that we need to make, but we, we need not give it more than just that, meaning effort itself. 
So when there's an individual that you're working with on a business deal, or there's a doctor that you're going to for, God forbid, a, a, um, a medical challenge and, and treatment, it's important for us to remember that our bitachin, our trust, is in God and God alone. Not God and the doctor. Not God and Mr. Businessman. Not God and the consultant. The consultant, the doctor, the businessman, that's the effort. That's because Hashem told me to make effort. I'm making effort. I'm going to see the specialist. I'm going to see the best specialist that money can buy if I'm, you know, if, if I'm able to, because that's what I need to do. But after that, your trust is in God and God alone. That's what betachin means, is that you're actually going to Hashem and you're not combining it for any other person. And we'll read now an interesting footnote on the bottom of page 74, left side. For if he does so, his trust in God will be ruined when the partner, when he partners another being with him. So the, comment, the, the footnote says, When is the ultimate degree of trust in God? When there is no other hope. When a person is drowning in an ocean and grabs a piece of straw, thinking it will keep him afloat, there remains some hope that he will survive through the straw. However, when he lacks even a straw to hang on to, and every natural manner of survival is gone, all hope is gone with it as well. This is when betachin begins. The person relies solely on God, and God will find his ways of helping the person. So it's not that you have to go through that every time, but that's the level we're aiming for. We're aiming for when there's nothing left. There's nothing to even have to try to not blur the line of putting your betachin into. That's where we want to be. We want to be at the point, the classic example is the guy's going over the cliff and there is nothing to grab onto. Even if that thing he's grabbing onto logically makes no sense, it's still there. That's the level of betachin we want to go to. And I, I don't remember the exact details, but I heard Shalom Archai uh, explain, or maybe it's in his book, that when Shalom Archai Rabashkin was let out of uh, a, a prison, a place called prison, he, I think that day or the day before, the final appeal process or the final system that he could have gone through to try to get appealed was denied. And he said that at that point he knew that now his betachin was there because there was no other option. Hashem was his only option. There was no filing this type of appeal or that type of appeal. It was over. And I believe it was that night that he was pardoned by uh, Trump or whatever the right term was and, and, and let out and brought home. So it's getting to that level. If we can get to that level, of course, with not, God forbid, drowning and having nothing to grab onto. But we're, when we're engaged in our shtadlis, when we're engaged in the effort that we're making, whatever the topic might be, it should be to us as if it has no value whatsoever because our trust is completely in God. So continuing in that, in that footnote, in truth, the person must reach this ultimate level of trust even when he has a natural way of survival. Even if a person has a flourishing job and a good channel for business, he nonetheless must place his full faith in God alone, knowing that it's only God who will be the one to support him. Anything else, even the channel he has created, was created only because he was commanded to find channels for his brachas. But the blessings themselves are solely from God. The Zayar teaches that even after Rabbi Yesa the elder had food in front of him, he would declare that, quote, he will not prepare his food for consumption until God gives it to him, end quote. This puzzling statement is now easily understood. Rav Yesi never relied on the natural appearance of things. The fact that the food was in his house, ready to be prepared, because this demonstrated a lack of trust that in reality everything is from God. Rav Yesi would only eat after affirming his unwavering trust in God 
and acknowledging that even the food and its preparation were given to him by God at that moment and that he needed to ask for it. Meaning even if it was right in front of him, even if there's something that is in his cat in his pantry, he would not partake into it unless he affirmed and reminded himself and said out loud that it's only there because Hashem put it there and is going to allow him to have it at that moment. Among the daily morning bless- blessings, thanking God for the good that he bestows upon us is clothing the naked. When we say our, our blessings every morning, Maidani, after we wash Nagavasa, there's every day in the beginning of the Siddur, there are blessings that we recite on a daily basis. And one of them is clothing the naked, is the end of the blessing. And this seems superfluous, because the person already has the clothing on and in his possession. We expect that the person who's now having his coffee and saying his blessings, or about to have his coffee and saying his blessings prior, is probably wearing this, a set of clothing. So why is he saying this, this blessing now? Nevertheless, when reciting this blessing, the person is demonstrating that although he has a useful object in his possession, he firmly acknowledges that it's only his at the moment because God desires that he should have it then. So bottom line is, and I'm reading right out of the book, what you have now is because God desires that you have it now. It's like that classic story of the guy who's looking to shop before Hanukkah in Aventura Mall. He can't find the parking spot. He looks up to heaven. He says, God, please give me a parking spot, and I promise I'll go to Shul to Shabbos. And he turns the corner, and there is a beautiful spot, home, you know, what do you call a house parking, right in front of the entrance. And he looks up and says, never mind, I found the spot. So we have to remember always that even that which we have, and sometimes think, oh, we have it already. Wait a minute, I'm in my house. I, I don't need Hashem's help with that. I already own the house. I'm talking about this next investment that I need to purchase. I need God's help. I need to trust in God. No, no, no. You got to trust in God for everything that you have. Because just because you, quote, have it, doesn't mean you actually have it. It means God's giving it to you. So continuing on top of page 74, back into the main text. You surely know that which is said regarding King Asa of Judah, who despite his great piety relied upon the doctors at the time he was sick, as it says in Chronicles of Divri Hayamim, quote, and also when he was ill, he did not seek the Lord, only the doctors, and he was punished for this. King Asa should have asked Hashem to heal him and then rely on Hashem to heal him either through the doctors or through whatever means he saw fit. Instead, the king relied solely on the doctors to heal him, for which he was punished. Another pasuk that serves as proof that a person should not combine his betachin and God with another being, is the pasuk says in Yirmiyahu, Baruch HaGever Asher Yiftach Badinoi Vahoya Adinoi Miftachai Blessed is the man who relies on the Lord, and the Lord will be his support. If the pasuk merely intended to extol the virtue of relying on God, then it would have merely stated, Blessed is the man who relies on the Lord. The second half of the Pasuk that says, the second half of the verse that says, and the Lord will be his support, implies that no other being is his support. This Pasuk is cited as proof that true reliance on God consists of reliance only on him and not on any other being in addition to him. Top of page 76, continuing in the main text, it's well known, it's a well-known matter that when someone appoints two people or more to perform a specific task, the appointment will fail. Each one relies on the other to do the job, and in the end, it isn't done properly. All the more so does this apply to a person who relies on God as well as on others. His reliance on God will be demolished. This will be the main reason why the matter for which he relied on God will be withheld from him. True betachen is achieved when the person realizes that everything is from God, and that he has the cause, he is the cause rather, of everything. 
and any other things that appear to be the cause are in reality, in reality mere agents of God that he uses to give people what they need. As the Pasuk says in Yirmiyahu, Cursed is the man who relies on man and places flesh on his support and who removes his heart from Hashem. A person who makes flesh his support and places his trust in other people will be cursed, meaning he won't receive the things he relied on them to provide him for. And the bottom footnote, it goes to explain, bottom of page 76, left-hand side, since he displays a lack of trust in God's ability and he equates a mortal creation with God, therefore God will withhold his help and allow him to see if the others that he has included in his trust can help him. This is from Tevin Halavonin and Paslachim. So bottom line, don't diversify your trust. Place it all and totally in God. And I think that's a great place to pause here in the middle of page 76. And uh, that's really where we're all trying to get to, um, myself absolutely and front runner included, is to be in a place where we can actually make the effort, speak to the people we need to speak to, hire the consultants, you know, speak to the investors, go to the doctors, read the self-help books, go to the gym, whatever it is we're, we're challenged with and we're, we're really trying to overcome. But remember and to know, like we know how to take a breath, that God is the source and the reason for everything and that we must place our trust exclusively in Him. And when you look at it from that lens, it's just a, in my opinion, a reminder or highlights the entire reason we as Jews are here, which is in a dark world, in a finite world, in a world that says, no, this is not true. No, this doesn't exist. No, this is not real. No, this is voodoo. No, Israel does not have a right to exist. No, you can't practice Judaism thousands of years ago. That way, it's more, you know, you gotta, you gotta join the Olympics in the story of Hanukkah, so to speak. The whole world tells us no, and we've been telling them nonstop that yes, this is true. There is light. God is control, in control of everything. Truth will always outshine darkness, and God will always outshine everything because He is everything. So as we go into Hanukkah this Thursday night, please God, uh, we should all feel our betachen from the month of Kislev and from the miracle of Hanukkah. It should enter our bloodstream. It should enter our mind, our hearts, our souls, our, our everything, that we should feel it. We should literally feel it, that when we light the first candle this Thursday night, it should actually be in the Harabais with the Beis HaMegdash Ashlishi because Mashiach arrived. Anyways, I missed the feedback and questions from individuals. I'm not sure 